Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. We all reacted when we heard the news of the three first responders who were killed on Sunday. And we continue to get reaction over this week. And, of course, uh, the funerals are next week. Joining us now on the John Schuster Coldwell Banker Hotline is a woman who knows what these families are going through. Jennifer Lindemer's husband, police officer Sean Silvera, died the day after Labor Day in 2005. You might recall when you drive on 35WC, his name, portion of the interstate is named after him. He had put out some stop sticks to... Uh, stop a vehicle that was being pursued by officers, and he was hit and killed. Jennifer, when you heard what happened on Sunday, what what goes through your mind? Well, it was a devastating and deep, deep loss. I was taken back 19 years ago when something very similar and parallel had happened in my own life, and it was just a deep grief and complete disbelief. When you look back on that time in 2005, those moments and, and when you first found out, can you do you go back to that moment quite often? Can you remember it pretty vividly? You know, it's, it's always there. Uh, grief is always there. It's something that's incorporated into your life. And I've learned over these years that joy and pain can coexist. And so it's something that never goes away. Um, but I completely related to widow Cindy Elmstrand and learning the news of the officers in your driveway, you you know right away. You know that this, this is not a good message that is coming to your doorstep. And, um, and I could just feel myself in her story. Your kids were the same age as the Elmstrand's kids, two months and five years old about um, at the time your husband was killed. Does How has this journey been for them? What has it been like for you raising them, not not being able to to know their father. You know, that was another parallel. As I was reading in the paper about Cindy, her and her husband were high school sweethearts. Um, her kids were five, are five months old and two years old, the exact same ages as Jordan and Maddie. And I was reading, thinking, this is my story. These are my words. This is my parallel. And now nearly 20 years older, 20 years later, I'm looking at my kids and just, so proud at how they're thriving. I called my kids on Sunday and I was asking my son, Jordan, you know, how do you, how would you tell people that you're coping this void in your life of losing your dad? And he said, mom, you and my stepdad, Steve have always taught us to try new things and to engage in life and participate. And that's how, that's how we heal. Healing is a verb. 
you, you have to continue living your life. What helped you the most over these years since your husband was killed? And what can people do to help these families as they deal with this loss? I would say it, it's so simple and yet so profound to be there, to show up. Um, a coworker of mine gave me a sticker that says, be a nice human. You know, everyone in the world has a struggle to some degree. We will all hold some pain or isolation or something's going on in our lives. And just that kind gesture is so significant. A smile, holding the door open if somebody's carrying a heavy box. Uh, it's so important. And as the survivor, as the victims, as the people needing help, I would encourage them to accept the help. It's hard. It's humbling. But that is truly the way you will get through. You wrote a book about your experience. It's called Believe, A Young Widow's Journey Through Brokenness and Back. And just hearing you, um, Jennifer, you have just this incredible attitude. Um, I don't hear bitterness in your voice, things like that. How did you keep that at away and focus on your kids and looking ahead? Well, a couple of things. I, I've thought over the years, you know, writing for me was so therapeutic. It was like journaling. And I don't believe that my husband, my husband didn't die so that I could write a book, but I really believe I wrote a book to survive my husband dying. And it was my therapy. And I remember specifically one day, my sister talking to me on the phone and I was at a very low point. And I remember telling her, I have nothing left. I I really have nothing left. And she said, Jen, you have to name five things you're thankful for. And I kind of rolled my eyes thinking, she's not listening to me. And so I said again, Cynthia, you're not listening. I have nothing. And she was persistent. And she said, Jen, you have to name five things you're thankful for. And she kept persisting until I participated in this silly exercise. And so quickly I rattled off, okay, fine, my kids, my health, my family, my faith, my writing. And as soon as those words were out of my mouth, I realized that I had been grieving as if there was nothing left. And I was considering these things in my life like leftover items on a garage sale table, when in actuality, they were the very best things in my life. You know, those were the things that were giving me purpose every day. My kids, my health, my family, my faith, my writing, my friends. And as soon as I said that, I realized I have to focus on what I have, not on what I don't have. Your attitude is incredible. It is inspiring. And do you feel like you want to reach out to these families who uh, will be dealing with this now in the the years to come and and help them in any way? Absolutely. That's a message that I want to share with the Burnsville community, uh, with the grieving widows of the officers, the paramedic. Um, I'm here to walk beside them. And, and to help in any way. And I extend my complete condolences. Like I said in the beginning, grief is a journey. It's something you incorporate into your life. It's not something that just goes away. Time, people say time heals. I would say time helps. Um, but this will be a long path, a long process. I know a lot of people said to me, like, you need to look for your new normal or you're in a new normal. And I kept waiting for 
the normal part of the new normal to start. Like, when does that start? It's really your routine is completely brand new. And I would just like to extend um, hope to that to those families and to let them know that I'm here to walk with you. Pretty incredible. We're talking to Jennifer Lindemer. Her husband, police officer Sean Silvera, died the day after Labor Day 2005. He was hit on the interstate as he was putting down stop sticks to stop a suspect who was being pursued by officers. I know you're, you mentioned you're remarried now and, and um, have progressed with your life, but just can you share a few memories about your husband um, as we, you know, kind of think about him and think about all those families who deal with the loss of a law enforcement officer or first responder who give their lives for all of us? Yes, I would, I would say um, Sean was an everyday hero. He was ordinary and extraordinary. He embraced life. He loved life. I'm still very close to the Silvera family. And um, that's one thing I've tried to embrace with my kids is to keep those memories alive and, my second husband, Stephen, is so good about not being threatened by our story, but embracing our story and knowing that we met through loss. And so um, just creating those new memories together while holding on to the ones that we have. And and that's what I encourage anyone going through loss to do is, is to remember those memories and say the name. It's okay to say Sean's name and Paul's name. Matthew's name. Jennifer, thank thank you so much for sharing your story. The book is Believe, A Young Widow's Journey Through Brokenness and Back. We appreciate your time and uh, wish you well, and we certainly think about your husband. I think about him every time I'm on the interstate and I see his name and the fact that he gave his life for all of us. Thank you. Powerful. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did.